0: All right. Happy Tuesday. Uh, Before we get going and everything, I know Joey and I both have uh, different announcements of varying degrees, and mine is definitely not going to overshadow yours, so I'll go first. This morning, I learned that breakfast quite literally determines my entire day.
1: (laughs) What'd you do for breakfast this morning?
0: So I skipped breakfast. What'd you miss? I made the horrible decision of trading the extra 15 minutes of sleep for no breakfast this morning. I... I don't know what got into me. I was just like, I was really comfy. I woke up in the middle of my REM cycle. It was not good. So I didn't, I think it'd be okay. I was like, all right, I'll just bring my breakfast to the office and get it done. Nope. (laughs) Nope. It was terrible. My whole day, I could not get into a groove. And I sat there and I was like, what is wrong with me? Like Mondays never hit me this hard. And then I left and I was like, oh, it's, you didn't eat breakfast. It just messed everything up. Yep. Breakfast is the
1: most important meal of the day. And I've actually just recently started eating breakfast myself. And what made the change in my life was when I came down to visit you about a month ago and we had (laughs) breakfast in the morning, something as small as that. And I was like, (laughs) I never knew how easy it was to make dippy eggs. And I was like, this is pretty easy.
0: So I started doing
1: it and throwing them on an English muffin in the morning.
0: For reference, my breakfast, my, I'm a very structured person. It's just how I am. It's how I'm wired. So my breakfast every single morning without fail is two fried eggs over medium uh maybe over easy I'm feeling wild that day a little bit of salt a little bit of pepper two uh, two pieces of toast buttered one apple one shot of apple cider vinegar tall glass of water that is my breakfast every morning it jump starts your day it's fantastic i i thought that was pretty normal and you know i started living with other people and they're like dude you eat breakfast what's wrong with you I'm like breakfast <laughs> is everything <laughs> I would, it's a
1: bad habit you can get into. And, uh, in high school, it starts early, you know, you wake up at six 30 in the morning to go to school and you're running out the door and it starts with just eating a granola bar and then it turns into no breakfast, but, uh, but it's a good habit to be in. And I I enjoy my breakfast now.
0: Well, I might be hardwired in two different ways because cooking like relaxes the heck out of me. Like there's, there's literally nothing I like more than I cook probably twice a week and I end up cooking enough for two or three days each time but there's nothing I look forward to more than my two days of cooking. Like, I think tomorrow's the day. I'm really excited. It's going to be great. Ooh, what are you making tomorrow? I do the same thing. I'm super simple. So, you know, as I oh. like to live on a budget, and I'm like kind of a – I like working out. I like to keep track of this kind of thing. But it's really, really difficult if you want to budget, invest when you're young, and get started if you're constantly spending money. So here's what I do. White rice, usually jasmine. Uh, I get – uh chicken breasts whatever's on bogo on Publix, and then three kinds of veggies same thing whatever's on sale that week i I like peppers different kinds of peppers onions mushrooms etc just grab tasty stuff literally salt pepper a few other seasonings do all that stuff together it's fantastic it's good for you you can make enough to last the whole week that sounds fantastic, yep. and, uh, and considering my announcement,
1: I should probably learn how to start cooking here soon. <laughs> yeah, let her rip. Because <laughs> that is a skill I do not have. But over the weekend, my girlfriend and I decided uh, we were ready to take the step and uh, buy a place. If We considered renting or buying. We weren't sure. Uh, the rent, the price of rent up in Pittsburgh is crazy right now. Very inflated, as it is. I'm sure most places. We decided, you know, we had the income and the money saved up to take the leap and get a home. We thought we closed on a house, on a townhome, pretty nice. And uh, we're all set, caught the text that it was a done deal Saturday night, celebrated, told everyone, yay, it's done. They're going to sign. Went to go look at it Sunday, Um, 10 o'clock at night. I get a call um, from my agent, who's also one of my really good friends from college, and uh, he's like, Joe, someone snuck in a viewing right after us and put in an offer. We got to go up five and it's like most likely yours in that scenario. So got on a call with my girlfriend. It was probably an hour to two hours worth of a conversation. Mm -hmm. And in the end, we decided that it wasn't worth an extra five grand for a townhome and we'll just find a really nice house. Um, Good thing we didn't do it because I woke up this morning feeling really off about it at all. And I just knew when, once I slept on it that it wasn't the place for us. So in the end, it worked out.
0: And this is right when you announced that it was all one giant demonstration of what not to do because you were trying to buy a home in the most expensive housing market we've had in over ten years. Yep,
1: yep. So, and we've we've we have found just looking in a couple other places here today. Houses that are equally as nice, houses, not town homes, mm-hmm. they're equally as nice and $25,000, $30,000 cheaper and still built around 2013, 2014, 2015 with nice appliances. So Jeez. it just goes to show, don't jump on the first thing you see when you're ready for it. She sent it to me and we were both like, we love it, let's do it. And then um, the universe gave us a sign to chill out. So well,
0: you're right about Thank- that. And plus, everyone's rushing to build new homes nowadays. Is all the, all, all the developers I know are just basically desperate to get the materials. So... I was paying attention to Jacksonville. Alternatively, there's 3,500 new apartments alone coming every single year for the next four years and houses, I don't even know. I don't know how to track that. It's gotta be more. Like there's just neighborhoods popping up everywhere. I i don't think you'd be in a bad position if you just wait a little bit. Yeah,
1: exactly. I'm kind of on a clock right now, um, considering If anyone out there knows us. My parents are planning to move in the spring, uh, not spring, I guess, kind of summer after my mom retires from teaching and uh, my girlfriend's lease is up in October. So our options are either renew the lease for six months and then do it, or um, if we find a place before October, we're gonna jump on it. But um, it's gotta be for the right price and it's gotta be the right place in and, uh, and the right
0: location. Yeah, you're gonna need a really good agent because it might, it might literally be better to get a six month to a year lease at that point and then just wait for the market to turn. But it's impossible to time the market, so who knows? Yep, it, it is unpredictable as ever. It is ridiculous. All right. Well, let's jump in. I got a few things, and then I know you do as well. My first two kind of go together, so if that's all right, I'm gonna knock those out. Okay. You got it. Perfect. So the first one that I saw, it was on it was from Globe Street, which is a media source that I like a lot. They focus more on commercial real estate news. I work in commercial real estate, so I like it a lot. It was talking about how California is basically their like economic council is instating compulsory solar power building essentially from 2023 onwards. They haven't totally written out what exactly the guidelines are. They're in the process of writing it, but it's pretty much a done deal. And all I could think of when I saw this is I was like, oh no! I was like, there's going to be there's going to be two direct split parties here. You're going to have 50% of people who are going to look at this and say, oh my god, I can't believe California is telling me how to live. This is the worst. This is horrible. The other 50% are going to say. Why the hell didn't we do this 10 years ago? Like, I, we, oh, okay, all right, another quote real quick, because this is from a totally different source that just really grinded my gears. And I was like, all right, the quote was, 2020 is going to be looked back and remembered as the year that we finally started taking climate change seriously. And I was like, God, man, <laughs> we've been yelling <laughs> about this for years. I don't understand. I was so frustrating to read something like that. I said, "No, no way." We've been we've been on this for a while, and we've just finally had all the horrible climate calamities that are happening. Like, geez, the, the Haiti earthquake. There was another one today. The California wildfire. That's crazy. But we will we will fix it. So, part two of this is the other conversation happening in the real estate world now is how the heck do you underwrite? Like, like, like how do you prepare for losses from inclement weather events in new building? Like, because there's been some massive, like, billions of dollars worth of losses in the past five years that all these massive portfolios have had to contend with, and so investors are like, "How do we deal with this?" We have no idea. So that got me thinking: How exactly do you underwrite insurance based on how likely it is that an earthquake is going to happen that year? I mean, I assume you know California is going to be ridiculously expensive and nebraska would be just fine but how do you even do that <laughs> that's
1: fascinating and I'm, I'm sure there's different pieces in there you know evolving acts of god as they call it i'm sure in, in right. legal terms but um but yeah whenever you think about properties whether it's in tornado alley in the midwest or or in california with the earthquakes and the fires in the san fernando valley mm-hmm. or um florida hurricanes in even in, yeah okay. hurricanes down in florida Um, I don't know how you include that into an insurance um, bill or or whatever, insurance contract, whatever it's called, have you. But um, yeah, it definitely has to impact it somehow.
0: Yeah, the big takeaway I think overall was that people are saying investors need to, they basically need to start paying for more ESG stuff. They need to like, you know, put your money where your mouth is. Everyone's been talking about how we need to invest in this stuff for so long, and then they don't do it. They put out these massive press releases and say, Oh, we're looking forward to getting more ESG people on the board and blah, 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 and doing all these things. They've been saying that for five years. And so now they're going to get kicked out of the board positions if they don't actually put their money where their mouth is. I think that's kind of cool. Social change, you know, I'm all for it.
1: Yeah, I agree. You got to have consequences or people will never change.
0: Oh, that's very, very, very true. All right. Your turn.
1: All right. So um, today, actually, we received an article um oh, one of user our submission faithful <laughs> listeners my favorite uncle one of them and
0: love the user submissions. John's favorite father yep
1: <laughs> and it is a great article about how Elon Musk he follows a five step process in his engineering protocol as everyone out there knows we are both big fans of Elon Musk we discuss him a lot on this uh, on this podcast love the musk he Elon. has he has tesla car company SpaceX space company
0: so <laughs> Mars and space, two favorite things. <laughs>
1: yeah. So how does he follow this process? or he has he has a process that he follows, five steps for both companies, even though they're completely different companies in theory. And we'll break it down here for you real quick. I'll give you the cliff notes. It's five steps. He says they must be followed in order. Uh, don't go out of order. You can't go out of order, but everyone eventually does go out of order and makes the same mistake. So step number one is make the requirements less. And what he said was make the requirements less dumb. The requirements are definitely dumb. It does not matter who gave them to you. It's particularly dangerous when they come from an intelligent person as you may not question them enough. Everyone's wrong. No matter who you are, everyone is wrong. Some of the time, all designs are wrong. It's just a matter of how wrong are they?
0: Man, you wonder why we like him so much. That's a great quote. (laughs) (laughs) That should go on the quote list. Yep exactly it should all right what's number two and it is
1: dangerous i'm just going to touch on a little bit more before we move on yep whenever great ideas come from intelligent people because you're like he's right you're less inclined to question it and you just take it as gospel
0: yeah then we end up doing the same thing for 50 years without changing it yep and then
1: it gets outdated like the education system but we discussed that on older podcasts yeah seriously (laughs) i could go on about that one forever but it would just be griping (laughs) yep all right Step two in his process is try and delete part of that process. So he breaks this down by saying that you should try very hard to delete the part of the part or process. If parts are not being added back into the the design, at least 10% of the time, it means that not enough parts are being deleted. The bias tends to be very strongly toward let's add this part or this process or this step in case we need it. Additionally, each required part and process must come from a name, not a department. As a department cannot be asked why a requirement exists, but a person can.
0: It's true, and you can assign blame.
1: Yep, exactly. If the, something hey, fails, hey,
0: it, Craig told me to do it.
1: Yep, can't go back on a department of 20 people. It goes back on uh, on one person. Good old Here, Craig. hold up. My mom just asked me what my Chinese order is for dinner.
0: Oh, very. Because <laughs> we don't have any
1: chicken to cook. Great. So
0: I'm doing. I'm going tonight. to text
1: her what sushi roll I want real quick before we get into step three. Okay. I'm going to say I would like a spicy Philly roll. <laughs> we should not Fantastic. be doing this
0: on stream.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to do this real quick. Well, spicy Philly roll. This is a great idea, um, though. We we should do top, like uh, a volcano roll. We should do top three top
0: three sushi orders at some point.
1: <laughs> we will. That'll be a list for one day. We should uh maybe do those on fridays like we did our top three villains
0: i'm totally fine we with do. that i was trying to think of more <laughs> top three lists top five lists five is a lot mm-hmm. Three's probably good okay come All on right. now. <laughs> this is sure getting in? <laughs> we apologize everybody joey's him. Yep. <laughs> doing his thing okay this is important stuff yeah if you but, say so number three <laughs>
1: Number three is to simplify or optimize. And he explains this as sushi. <laughs> simplify and optimize the design. This is the most common error of a smart engineer to optimize something that should simply not exist. He himself, as in Musk has claimed to be a victim of implementing these steps out of order. He refers to a mental straitjacket that happens in traditional schooling where you always have to answer a question regardless of whether the premise that the question was asked in makes any sense at all.
0: Oh, I love that. I hate stupid questions. When someone asks something really, really dumb and everyone starts debating it, you're like, why are we talking? The the entire premise of the question didn't make any sense.
1: Yeah. Think how many times in your traditional schooling that you've been asked a question and no one even questions the question. Why are we even talking about
0: this? Oh, that was one of my biggest gripes back in college too, is they do that a lot, but it is what it is. I'll be a professor one day and I'll change that. Yep. All right. Step four, then
1: is to accelerate the cycle time. And he explains this as you're moving too slowly, go faster, but don't go faster until you've worked on the other three steps. First, he says he uses in another example of how these steps should occur in order. He says during a wrongheaded process, you should simply stop, not accelerate. If you're digging your grave, don't dig it faster. That
0: makes sense. It's, you know, the whole sunk cost principle, right? Yeah. If you're, uh, if you're making a mistake
1: and you accelerate your process, you're in trouble though. And, uh, and go ahead. I was going to say his step five kind of ties into it because he discusses his model three and how he accelerated that process before we doing the other steps first and ended up in a bad situation where he had a lot of model threes that weren't perfect.
0: Oh, so well, eh, they're pretty simple machines. I mean, well, ah, okay. We can talk about that hmm. one after cause I have a Tesla thing later. So keep going. Sorry. Yep.
1: Yep. So step five is automate. The final step is automate. He says an important part of this is to remove in process testing after the problems have been diagnosed. If a product is reaching the end of a production line with a high acceptance rate, there is no need for in process testing. He says he has personally made the mistake of going backwards on all five steps multiple times In making Tesla's model three. He said he literally automated first, then accelerated, then he simplified and then deleted.
0: Yeah, that was, that was opposite. Well, I mean. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then after
1: this, he goes on to provide some great insight into the Model 3 battery pack production line and how that evolved. And um, he says sometimes when these steps can be completely out of whack, it was like being in a Dilbert cartoon. Wow. That was how he described it, if anyone knows Dilbert.
0: Yeah, so that's one of the cartoons that I not really paint. More of a Garfield guy myself, really. Yeah.
1: It's been a while since I've read the, uh, the morning cartoons in the paper. It's been a while since I've gotten it.
0: Yeah, no, I haven't seen an actual newspaper in forever. Sometimes you see them online. That's what I run into. I think I follow like a Twitter page. Twitter Twitter is literally the new newspaper just with only opinion pieces.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No facts, all opinions. <laughs> Seriously. All right, let's stay on the tussle track because I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. I brought something for you today. So mm-hmm. they're going through a massive probe right now. Well, all the tech commissions are all saying, well, we need to take a look at this. And it's because their autopilot feature has been killing people. But... Here's my counter to that. People sometimes don't listen whenever, whenever they say, look, the feature doesn't actually drive itself. And I think the problem is the naming. But I go back and forth in this problem because on one hand, autopilot sounds really kind of badass. You're like, all right, autopilot. That's exactly what I want my car to have. But it's not honest. It's not honest at all. The car doesn't actually drive itself. It can assist you. It's, in essence, a driver assistance tool. Problem is, driver assistance tool sounds really lame and makes me feel like I'm being babied, and I don't want any of it. Yeah, it, it
1: needs rebranded. I think. I think you're onto something here. Because when you say autopilot, I think I can throw it on and go to sleep, and I'll wake up at my destination. Yeah, these but that's are, like, not pulling out case. books and
0: stuff in the middle of the highway.
1: Yeah, and I actually did see something about this right before we hopped on here on the news that uh, there was another huge crash, and now all his models. The version of the autopilot and all the models are being investigated by, I didn't see who was investigating, but someone's investigating it.
0: It was probably the same one. Was it about the lady that crashed into the police car? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Was it maybe Arizona or I don't know? I don't know. Somewhere I noticed it wasn't Florida. <laughs> That's all that matters because <laughs> <laughs> it's always Florida. It's always Florida in the news. Mm-hmm. Well, fun, yep. fun side conversation before we move on, um, just to improve your life, just Google uh, the date of your birthday and then Florida man and uh, see what comes up. It gets pretty good ones. I'll do mine at the end of the show in lieu of a quote, uh, but we're going to move on from that. Uh, do you have something else or can I go? No, go ahead. What do you uh, got for me? This, I think, was awesome. Walmart announced that they're hiring crypto experts. So Walmart is a fantastic company that I've always been ahead of, and they are just, you know, they pretty much figure the things out and they're like, okay, well, we've accepted that people are going to steal from us, so we're just going to budget for it. It was like, that's a genius thing to do. Target and Publix had a horrible time trying to solve this problem. They're just adaptable. So... The new problem that they've seen is that, all right, the future is going towards alternative currencies. They're actively looking to hire people to get out ahead of it. I love that. That's awesome. That's great news. Yeah, it'll be fantastic. I don't really know what it requires because I'm envisioning that, <laughs> I can't wait. We're gonna see like a, yeah, we're gonna see like some neckbeard looking dude with really long hair sitting in his mom's basement and it's gonna be like, it'll be like um, like Bob a self-made crypto millionaire expert. And it was literally just some dude that accidentally got rich off this kind of thing because there is no such thing as a crypto expert unless you're like a data miner.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's, it, it's hard to do. Like you said, there is no expert out there.
0: Not really. I mean, there's, there's people who understand the actual coding behind it and the blockchain and stuff, but I don't think that really helps you from a consumer standpoint. They need people who are going to be able to understand the transactional stuff, not the actual coding behind it. Like, the blockchain is really cool. It's going to help us improve everything. Walmart and a bunch of places actually use the blockchain to record some of their transactions, but being able to apply that to, like, daily shopping is going to be different. I mean, could I walk up and get my, get my pound of chicken, two pounds of chicken, and pay it in Dogecoin? wonder when that's going to happen. That'll be pretty cool if that's sometime in the next year or so, but that's going to involve getting wallets together and making sure everything can go through a phone. If it can't go through a phone, it's kind of useless.
1: Yeah, that's a great point. And that that is going to involve a whole recreation or restructuring of the infrastructure we have in place right now with how we pay for things.
0: It's true. And it's going to get fought the whole way by the central bank. Yep. And
1: you know how hard it is to get everyone on one page we're gonna to have to, that'll take getting the whole country on one page which has been difficult
0: yeah good luck we're just gonna competition our way through it and whoever whoever is at the very end the bloodiest and survives is gonna win that's what's gonna happen <laughs> i've been on this with the <laughs> cryptocurrency thing for a while is it we're literally gonna get down to like five that kind of run the world and it's just gonna be the five that bully and consume everything else it's just how it is survival of the fittest yeah and that's kind of a dark way to look at it but It's going to come, there's going to be some really awesome technology. And honestly, our lives are going to be so much further improved in five to 10 years because of it. Everything's going to be easier and everything is going to be one really, really, really hard to steal, which I'm excited for. I've never really gotten the whole stealing thing. I know a lot of kids go through that. I never did. I'm really proud of that. Yeah.
1: And I agree. I mean, technology moves fast. Sometimes I think back to when we were in middle school and uh, our parents still had the flip razor phones or whatever from Verizon and now we're sitting here with computers in our pocket.
0: Speaking of middle school, I had a Twitter take or I had an Instagram take earlier today. I'm on It was around lunchtime I saw. So do you remember the app y- Yik Yak? Yeah, yeah. Back in, uh, I think it was like in middle school or high school. I don't know. It was pretty big. Yep. So Yik Yak is coming back and Afghanistan is burning. I'm literally back in middle school. That's
1: <laughs> what it feels like. Oh, crazy time to
0: be alive my friend I've been trying to avoid mentioning all the geopolitical nonsense going on because at, at the core we are trying to be a positive outlook for, uh, podcast where we look at the events that happen and we say alright it's really easy to talk about the bad stuff but we need to focus on the really cool things like Walmart hiring crypto geeks and I mean what else do we talk about Tesla stuff we did the underwriting insurance for um, real estate and everything we talked about your dinner <laughs> so sushi tonight
1: Thank God she asked that because she initially told me they were just going to cook some chicken and I really didn't want chicken tonight. (laughs) And I was actually thinking in my head, please order sushi, please order sushi, please order sushi. So when I got that text, I was like, let's go. I'm I'm happy for you.
0: I'm really happy. All right. Remind me real quick. What was I going to do instead of a quote? I don't remember.
1: You were going to look up your birthday in Florida, man. And I actually just did mine before you go. Fantastic. And I found... Seven accused in Florida of counterfeiting bonds.
0: (laughs) I love it. It's just (laughs) ridiculous stuff. Okay, let's see. Um, Oh, yeah, it's the Florida man admits to lighting firecrackers under some seven-year-old's bed. (laughs) Nine-year-old girl and a prank gone wrong. Jeez. There was one I saw. My favorite one was... um, it was like a, it was like man dressed as minion on Daytona beach beats up shop owner or something. <laughs> I was like, oh, jeez, It's crazy. <laughs> so you definitely got to do that. Florida man, your birthday. It's going to, there, there's a whole website for it. It's fantastic. But other than that, I'm wrapped up. What else do you have?
1: Uh, I got a quote for us to take us out and then I'm going to go eat some delicious sushi. I think unless you got anything else.
0: Sounds good to me. Shorter Monday show always works.
1: Yep. All right, let me know if you know who this, uh, who this one's from. It's, a, it's another fictional book Okay. I think we're both fans of. I'm paying attention. A uh, very wise man said, Differences of habit and language are nothing at all if our aims are identical and our hearts are open.
0: Oh, and it's from a book we both
1: know? Yeah. It's, it's going to be a tough one. I don't know if you'll get it.
0: Yeah, I give up. You win. What is it? Albus Dumbledore from The Goblet of Fire. I'm okay. That's unfair. I'm literally, I'm I'm actually on Goblet of Fire right now. And I remember when we were talking, you said you were like, Yeah, I'm, I'm going slow through this one. That book is so flipping big compared to the first three. It is unfair. Thick one, but was, it is
1: man. it is so much better than the movie that it makes it so much more fun to read. I think.
0: Yeah, they just got out of uh, they just went to the crazy Quidditch match and they all showed up and did the the Death Mark or whatever above. And I was just like, this is a great idea. It's literally just a massive British flying soccer FIFA tournament. Like, it just sounds like so much fun.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd love to go to a Quidditch match. Once again, we're going off on our tangent about the uh, the nerdy stuff we like. But what
0: yeah. can you do? Yeah, you know you can deal with it. You're already here. Okay, I have <laughs> I have a good one. Uh, your smile is the messenger of your goodwill. It's an old ancient Chinese proverb. And I say this all the time. People don't smile enough. Smiling's really good for you. It actually literally physiologically improves your mood. And there's nothing better than when you're just walking down the street. Someone, someone just beams at you kind of genuinely. So I challenge you. Do that this week.
1: I agree. Smile more, and uh, what do they say? Smiling takes one muscle. Frowning takes like a hundred muscles. So,
0: well, smile. I I wouldn't look at it that way because I'm always gonna be frowning to give my face a good workout. Get my chin jawline. (laughs) (laughs) Get that chiseled jawline going. It must be angry people are always very handsome. No, I'm just kidding. That's not good at all. (laughs) Don't be angry. All right, we're wrapping up. Sound good? Yep, all good. Have an awesome week. See you Friday. I will enjoy my sushi. See you Friday. (laughs)